Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So we started talking last week about the love life. It's kind of not nice. You can walk up to somebody and go, how's your love life? And they're going to look at you like, hmm, that's a little private, don't you think? But, you know, there are a lot of Christians who think that their, their Christianity is private. Oh, no, I, you know, that, that's, I, I, I'm very private about my, my relationship with God. No, 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 you should never be like that. It's not private. God never put his life on the inside of you for it to remain private. You need to go public with it as often as possible. Now, there are times you're going to need to use wisdom, you know, in how you share that life. In the places that you go, you know, it may not always be as easy to share it as openly, but share it nonetheless. There's a subtle way to get the gospel into somebody. You know, but he doesn't intend for you to keep it to yourself. Your whole life is a life of giving. And, and it's a, through every spectrum of life. But the biggest thing you need to be giving, you need to be giving life away every single day. You need to be giving the life of God to anybody and everybody you come in contact with. Every, if that's in the grocery store, you know, if, somebody's, if somebody asks you how you are, you have a wonderful opportunity to answer them. Go, I am blessed. Do you know how often I do that and somebody says, well, I am too. Wouldn't that be nice if it got to be such a habit with us that we always answered that way, I'm blessed. Not, I'm making it. Well, you know, it's, it's, go, it's going. I hear that quite a lot even around this, in here in this building. How you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm making it. Dear Lord, I, am, I, I just said this to somebody not too long ago. I'm giving you an opportunity to speak your faith. I'm giving you an opportunity. Take it. Take the opportunity. When you do it, it might just pull somebody into a conversation. Why are you blessed? What do you mean you're blessed? Then you can, you can just clearly just begin to give them your testimony and open a door. You know, that's planting seed. That's just an, an, a very subtle way to plant seed. You don't, have to, you don't have to smack them upside the head with the Roman road to salvation or anything. You know, just, just say, I am blessed. I've done that going through toll booths where I had to stop and get changed. How you doing? I'm blessed. And the people sometimes will go, I am too. And sometimes they'll look at you like, okay. You know, I'm not a crazy person. To me, the crazy person is the one who's not blessed. The even crazier person is the Christian who doesn't understand that they're blessed. But anyway, we're here to give life away. And so, you know, that's the kind of love life we're talking about. Uh, listen, you can be born again but not develop your love life. That's living carnally. That is living after the flesh. And we all are guilty of that, you know, on some days. Hopefully not the majority of our days. But some days we're just carnal Christians. My little quote that I gave you, I think, last week, if the only thing I ever put on is me, that's all anybody will ever see is me. We need to put on Jesus and the love that has been shed abroad in our hearts every single day so that that's what people see. 
Um, but it all comes down to a matter of what are we yielding to, the flesh or the spirit. You, we have a choice. As in everything that God gives us and makes available to us, we have a choice whether to follow him or to follow our flesh. That's the only two, ways, the only two choices we have, flesh or spirit. Flesh or spirit, flesh or spirit. And there are some days I can tell you I have honestly said, I'm following my flesh. Didn't really say it out loud, but I said it to myself. Because my heart would be telling me, don't do that, don't do that. I don't care, I'm going to be fleshy today. I'm going to flesh out today. I don't care. You know, later I have to go repent. Anybody else been there besides me? Okay. So don't look so holy back here. You not. You're not, not in that area. <laughs> Listen, you know, there, there are just times in our lives where it's just like one area of life is what sends us over the edge. Or one person that sends us over the edge. Michelle demonstrated that a few weeks ago when she talked about who makes her cuss. <laughs> you live that down. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Steve's not here, so he won't know unless he listens to it. <laughs> it's very rare, I know. But those are the flesh moments. You've all had them. You don't laugh at her because if I knew your story, I'd tell yours too. <laughs> but go with me to Galatians 2.20. I'm really not going to do much of a review of last week. If you weren't here, you'll just have to get this get the podcast or whatever, because I'm running out of time. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.20. Let me find it myself. Hallelujah. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that's not in your flesh, your carnal attitude, but just in your flesh, just in this body, in this natural world. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Corinthians 5, 17, you know this. Let's just look at it again. Hallelujah. It's always good to look at it. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 5.17. No, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Isn't that right? Yeah. 2 Corinthians. I have to go change that in my notes here. Anyway, it says, uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. Anybody in Christ in here? Anybody? Yes. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's the King James. Another other translations say, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I tell you, that to me is one of the biggest realities that there is. Old things are passed away. And all things have become new. The old me, 
the old me that wants to rear its ugly head when I'm not walking in love towards somebody, I have to understand that old me was crucified with Christ. That old me went to the grave. That old me went down into hell. That old me was left there, and a new me came out of it all. And I don't have to be bound to that old snarky self. I am bound to the new creature that God has created in me. I am bound to that person once and for all. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus, the personification of the love of God, lives on the inside of me. That reality has to sink in so deeply that you and I, when it comes to a question of whether we're going to walk in love or not, in a split second, we go to the new man, not the old man. It needs to be split-second timing. And if it's not, at least just don't say anything. Don't react at all until you can connect to that new man that's on the inside of you. See, that's what happens so many times when we're not walking in love and something happens, somebody says something, somebody does something, and we react so quickly that we don't take the time to go, nope, nope, hold it, hold it. The flesh is trying its best to rear its ugly head right here, and I am not going to let it. You know, there, there might be a, a momentary tug of war there, but the spirit man can win out every time, every single time. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Pastors, pull this verse out, Philippians 2, 6. He who began a good work in you will perfect or complete it. He has begun a good work in you. You know, our our spirit man is created completely, but this flesh man has to be renewed in the mind and the way the body reacts. And so we're working on that every single day. But God will perfect it. He will complete it in us. But it's it's a place of cooperation with the spirit of God. He can't do it for you. You must do it for yourself. Isn't that what he's just been saying on Sunday mornings? You must do it. He's done all he can do for you by making you a new creature in Christ. But now you must take that reality of that new creature and walk in the light of it. Only you can do that. You know, Brother Hagin told a story. I was, I was reading his book today, and he told a story about a relative they were having, he and his brother Dub were having issues with. And this lady was hateful. And Dub had already had an experience with her and... And, uh, and Brother Hagin was going to go talk to this lady. And he goes, oh, she'll, she'll eat you up one side and down the other, you know. And he says, no, she won't. No, she won't. I, the love of God's on the inside of me. And, and this is what he said. He said, the love of God in me is bigger than the hatred in her. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? The love of God in you is bigger than what anybody else can throw at you. Don't ever take a back seat to somebody else's tantrums or somebody else's temper or somebody else's bad attitude or somebody's horrible words or actions. The love of God on the inside of you is bigger than anything they can spew out of their mouth or any of the actions they can take toward you. The love of God is bigger than that. 
And if you'll understand that, that bigness will cause you to be able to, to encounter that person and to, and to respond to that person the way God would respond. You know, you have, to, you, have to, you have to go about things with an expectation that that love, of gonna, love walk is going to work. That's what he did. He said, no, I'm not going to have any problem with her because the love of God that's on, on the inside of me is bigger than anything that comes out of her. But you have to have an expectation for it to work, that it's working. You can't go into, well, let's just see how this goes. No, let's not just see how this goes. This is going to go well. Anything that can go well will go well. Isn't that the opposite of what some people say? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong? No, no, no. For the believer, everything that can go well, which is everything, will go well. You have to have an expectation that the love of God can overcome anything. And no matter what the situation, no matter who the person is, no matter how hard-hearted or nasty that they are, the love of God still can do it. Because putting God's love to work is putting God himself to work. Sometimes God can't work in a situation because we don't let him work. Because we're not putting his love to work. You know, Romans 12.20. Let's go over there real quick. Hallelujah. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, I've got written down on here, and, you know, I've got from some other translation, where that said coals of fire. In other places, it's translated as shame. In other places, conviction. Listen, the more you show the love of God to somebody, the more, the more conviction it brings on them. Now, what might look at first like it's not working because they got even meaner. But when they get meaner, it's because conviction is all over them because of the way you've reacted to them. Seen it over and over and over again. Lady that, that Michelle had been working with, you know, was known in their offices as being hard to get along with. She determined, you're not going to be hard for me to get along with. And She's found a new friend. Now that she's moved back to her own offices, did you go, did you go see her this week? Okay. She, this, this coworker emailed her and said, I miss you. You know, you can, you can turn what looks like an enemy into a wonderful friend. And once you do that, you have the ability to sow something into their lives that they don't even know is at work in them, the word of God, because the love of God has been shown to them. So many times people are mean and hateful and antagonistic because their life is a mess, because there's been, there's been hardship in their lives that have caused them to be angry and bitter and resentful, and they take it out on other people. But somebody, namely you, has to show them the love of God before God can get through to them. The love of God is what will break down the walls, giving God the ability to make an entrance into their lives. God at work in them. Um, Love is the law of the new covenant. John 13, 
34 through 35 says, a new commandment. Let's look at it. John 13. You know, love, the love of God is such an important topic. And it's such an important thing for us to understand. Verse 34 of John 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. Listen, the very first three words. A new commandment. And the next four words. I give unto you. He did not give a suggestion. He did not give a recommendation. He gave a commandment. That is a requirement. A requirement. Again, you have the choice. God has given you a free will. He has given you a choice as to whether you follow that commandment. But he's telling you that a a new commandment is all wrapped up in this. You love one another. You love one another. You know, we all used to have the little bands that had the WWJD on there. What would Jesus do? Well, I'd really like to change that to WWLD. What would love do? You know, sometimes they go, well, Jesus isn't here. Who who knows what? He's not here. But love is always present. The love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. It is here. It's right here on the inside of you. And so what would love do? In any particular situation, what would love do? You know, if that means you have to get yourself a bracelet with it made on just to remind, keep yourself reminded, do it. Whatever it takes. But in every situation, that's what we need to do. What would love do? Hebrews 12, 24. A lot of scripture tonight. Hallelujah. And to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkling, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. There is a new covenant that we've been given. And in this new covenant, the law of love is what's been put into, into place. Hebrews 8, 6 talks about a better covenant. Well, what's much better about it? Listen, the old covenant was for spiritually dead people. The New Testament is for those of us who have been born again. New creatures in Christ Jesus, alive unto God, spirit man to spirit man. That's that's what we are. This is the new covenant that we've been given. And into it is is what we we go for. We, We look into it, the law of love, and that's where God lives. That's where Jesus lives. That's where we're supposed to live. In the God kind of love every single day. Hebrews 10, 4, 10 verses 14 through 17 talks about, you know, I'll put my laws into their hearts. Ezekiel, if you go back to the Old Testament, it talks about a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. Ezekiel eleven nineteen 19 talks about one heart and a new spirit. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. That wasn't possible under an old covenant. It wasn't possible. But for you and me, he has put it on the inside of us. We don't have to go look to a Torah. We don't have to go look to the, a Ten Commandment tablet. We don't have to go look anywhere. All we have to do is look right here. 
A new commandment has been written on the inside of us, on our hearts. You know, in any situation where you're tempted to just let the flesh make up, your heart's singing to you loud and clear. You know, that there's a different way to do this. There's a better way to do this. You know, God's got a better way, a better way, a better way. It's the law of love. It's been written on the inside of you. You don't have to wonder where it's at. It's always, it's always present because it's always right here. You know, and, and to be honest with you, when we talked last week about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, when he recreated you, he put those fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you. Number one, love. Number one. And out of love comes everything else, really, when you stop and think about it. But he said he listed love, joy, and peace as the three primary, the three very first things. I mean, I like. I think there's there's some significance to that order. Love being the very first one. Hallelujah! You know, in Romans we said last week it says uh, in, in Romans thirteen verse eight to owe no man anything because love is the fulfilling of the law. Um, I had another. Yeah. Anyway, I think I had it written down on something else about what that really means. Love, there's a debt. It's an ongoing debt. Love is a debt you always owe somebody. You'll never pay that debt because every situation that you come up against is a new debt of love. Every single day, you have opportunities to pay that debt and to make sure that it's paid in full. Not just partially, because there's no partial to love. It's either all or nothing. Either you walk in love or you don't. You can't say, well, that was a little like a little bit of love. No, no, no. Either you did walk in love or you didn't. That's all there is to that. Um, James two verse eight. Look at this. I, I, I just I guess I've never really noticed this. James two verse eight. So we know that the law that we're working on is the law of love. And verse 8, it says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. He calls it the royal law. Why? Because the king of kings and the Lord of lords has decreed that you and I walk in love. And that we let love have its perfect work in us. Have you ever ever thought about that? I mean, I guess I've just never noticed it said the royal law. When you stop and you think about it, there is a king sitting on a throne who has personally commanded that I walk in love. It's not just something written on a page that I can read or not read. I can adhere to or, or not adhere to. It is a personal decree to me. A new commandment I give you. It's as though Jesus came came and sat down in front of each one of us and said, Listen, I've got a new commandment for you. It's that you fulfill the law of love. It's very personal. That's what's interesting about this. 
just like his sacrifice on the cross was for each one of us very personal. Now his commandment that we love one another is very personal. Royalty has decreed it. Amen. James, uh, Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in your hearts. If you think, I can't do this. I don't have that kind of love on the inside. Yeah, it is. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Trust your heart to lead you in every situation that you come up against that has you wondering, how am I going to react to this? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 2. Let's, you know, we're, we're, this, it's the big love chapter. Let's just go back and look at it one more time. Um, just those f- first few verses. Hallelujah. I believe I had this in the, the Amplified last week. Hallelujah. But, you know, it, it, it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love... I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could not remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. You know, there, there are times, you know, when you run up against, you know, people in ministry who, you know, in the pulpit, man, they seem like they've got, I mean, they've got it going. I mean, they can preach up a storm. They can prophesy. They can do this and that and the other. But personally, on the, on the, on the other side of it, when I have opportunities to be with them, you know, outside of an actual service, I'm going, I don't even like that person. I mean, they're so snarky. It's just ridiculous. That's not the way that's supposed to work. You know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, but, um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, God could do so much more with this person if they'd walk in love outside the pulpit. There's been a couple of people that, you know, used to, you know, the church was young and, and, and we didn't have a lot of money to, when guest speakers came, to put them in hotels and that kind of stuff. And, and so we would have them at our house. We had the perfect house for it. We had a bedroom at one end that was all contained with its own little bathroom and little hallway. So they had a little, little section that was all to themselves. And so, you know, you get an opportunity to, to see people in action outside a church service. And it wasn't always wonderful. Most of the times it was. I have to admit. But there were a few times I'm going, don't invite them back again. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't invite them back. If you do, they ain't staying with me. Not staying at my house anymore. Mm-mm. Nope. Not, I'm going to put up with that. So that was, was that walking in love? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, uh, see, that's good. Yep. That's real good. Hallelujah. The, 
the God kind of love forgives. I can even forgive Bruce Black. It is the funniest story to this day. He came and they stayed at our house for, for quite a few days. And, and then they were going to be at another church that was fairly close by. I said, guys, you don't need to go anywhere. Just, you can just stay here. Pastor was making his first trip to Africa. So I had to take him to Orlando to get him on a plane to go to Africa. And there was one piece of cheesecake left. And I hid it in the refrigerator in the back of the refrigerator, probably in the vegetable bin. I'm not really sure. But it was, it was well hidden, I thought. When I got back late that night, and I'm thinking, ah, I'm going to grab that piece of cheesecake. And I went in there, and it's gone. <laughs> and the next morning, I'm going, Bruce, where's my piece of cheesecake? I ate it. And I'm going, you did what? I hit it. Yeah, but I found it. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I won't let him forget that. But it's just a fun story now. I mean, I really did, you know, get over it. I promise you, I did. Cheesecake does not have that big a hold on me, I don't think. <laughs> But Ephesians 4.32 talks about forgiving one another. There are no stipulations to it. It is a one-size-fits-all. Well, you know, it's just a little thing. I don't, need, you know, I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, you do. You don't have to forgive somebody just because it's a big thing or some, some insignificant thing. If it was something that tended to offend you, you've got to walk in love. You've got to forgive. That's just all there is to it. Love forgives and forgets. Because aren't we supposed to be like God? Well, when God forgave us, he forgot all of our past, all of our sins, all of our iniquities, everything. He forgot them. You can find that in Isaiah 43, 25, in Jeremiah 31, 34, and Hebrews 8, 12. Walking in the God kind of love means you forgive and you forget. Well, that's kind of hard to do. You don't, have, you don't have any idea what I'm having to, to forgive. And you don't know how hard that is to forget. Well, it doesn't have to be hard. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have to go back and repeat to yourself, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is in me because I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have to talk to yourself sometimes. You have to say, I can forgive that person by faith. Father, I thank you by faith. I can forgive and I can let it go and I can forget all about it. You know, not hold it against them. It's only a distant, vague memory, just an experience, but nothing that causes me anxiety, nothing that causes me upset, nothing that gets me all riled up again, nothing. It, it gives me no emotions any at all except to remind myself that I was able to forgive that person. That's the only reminder it should be to you. Well, how about... If that's hard and these thoughts keep coming back at the images of what they did and, and what's happening all around you when this particular incident took place. Well, you know, there's a good one. Second Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations. There are times when, you know, if, if a situation is serious, you're going to have to cast down some imaginations. Stop letting your mind take you back to the incident and revisiting it. And they said this, and I should have said that, and they said this, and I should have said this. You know, you, you cast down those imaginations. If you're going to get successful in forgiving and forgetting, you're going to have to cast those things out because the enemy is going to do his very best to come bring them back to you and get you all stirred up again. And then you have to start this process all over again. But get good at casting them down. Take every thought captive. What does Philippians say? Every good and perfect thing. Think on these things. Whatever's good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely, 
Think on these things. Don't let your mind take you to places that you don't need to go. Especially if you're, if you're doing your best to let something go. And, you know, Brother Hagin was, I was, I was reading his book, you know, today, and, and he told this wonderful story about he went to the pastor of this particular church, and he hadn't been there just, I mean, just, he's a brand new pastor, and this lady comes up to him and starts telling him about this situation between him and another, and another sister that she just don't get along. He's, well, boy, they must have had a real falling out. And he's, she's, he's listening to all her story, and, and he says, well, sister, when did this happen? And he's thinking, like, you know, back in the last week or two, and she's going, one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And he's thinking eight days ago. She went, eight years ago this Tuesday. <laughs> and yet she's standing there telling that she forgave this lady, but he, she needs, he needs to be warned, you know, what kind of lady this was. Hello. Number one, you hadn't forgot it, but you sure didn't forgive her. Eight years ago. There are people who carry grudges around. You know, Miss Jackie, we need to go get that book. Don't hug a grudge and pass it out, you know, to everybody. You know, but you can't, you, you got to let go of that kind of stuff. You can't just hang on to it. It doesn't hurt anybody but you. You know, and, you know, here's something else. Forgive yourself. There are times when the enemy will come back to you over and over again and bring up stuff. There may be something you haven't thought of in so long, and suddenly it'll come back to you, and you'll think you'll panic, have a little panic attack, going, "Oh, if, if anybody ever knew that I did that. Oh, if anybody ever knew. If anybody ever knew. let go of that. Forgive yourself and forget it. You need to tell the devil that's under the blood." You need to tell him that the person who did that is long gone, dead, and buried. They're not here anymore. Listen, Paul said, I forget those things which are behind. Paul, the man who was the, the, the reason why so many people were murdered in his zeal as a Jew, this new religion, had to let go of those things. If he said, I forget those things that are past, and I press on toward the future. You can't walk into your future until you let go of the past. And you can't let the enemy take you and and strangle you and hogtie you to what you did years ago or even last week or even before you came to church tonight. You just got to let, you just got to tell him, no, that's over. I ask for forgiveness. I'm forgiven, and God's forgotten. And, you know, you're, it's, it's rude of you to remind him or me of it and, and go on with that. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.